You are now listening to, to, to the Current Affair Podcast with your host, Dr. D'Angelo Taylor. This is the Current Affair Podcast with Dr. D'Angelo Taylor, and okay. I am happy to be here today with one of the most incomparable social justice leaders here in our country, the United States, right? Uh, Brother William, Reverend William Payne. Uh, everybody, let's welcome Brother w- Reverend William Payne to The Current Affair. Brother William Payne. Yes, sir. Tell, yes, sir. Yeah, man. Uh, tell us a little bit about yourself. Well, uh, I think you did a good job on the intro, brother. Uh, <laughs> my name is uh, Reverend William Payne. I am a, a social justice warrior here in the city of Evansville, where um, I do lead the Evansville Social Justice Network, um, where we fight for justice within our community. Also, uh, where we have our community organization, which is Boss Brothers Out Saving Souls. Um, and we just try to do what we can to try to uh, help the community uh, to move forward. Okay. Okay. Uh so tell us a little bit about yourself outside of what you do uh, as far as with, you know, boss and with the social justice network. Tell us a little bit more about yourself. I mean, uh, that's pretty much my life's work. I really don't right. do anything uh, extra. You know, uh, when I first, well, just to give you a little background on myself, you know, uh, okay. just to, to keep it all the way real, since this is, you know what I'm saying, the realest podcast you know, out there right now. <laughs> Uh, for me, man, I grew up in the streets, man. My father was a minister. Mm-hmm. Uh, my mother was the first lady of the largest black church in the inner city of uh, Evansville, Indiana. And uh, I rebelled. And when I rebelled, I had to go hard because I wanted people to respect me right. in the streets, you know. And in doing so, uh, I got into a little trouble. Ended up doing uh, 10 years in federal prison. Uh, and it was through federal prison, doing time in federal prison, Um that I learned about a lot of the, you know, the injustices that goes on within the African-American community. And I took passion and took heart to that. And I, and I told myself coming home that I would never allow another kid to go through the same injustices that I went through. So for me coming home, we started Boss, which is a, which is a nonprofit community organization where we work with at-risk youth. Um, my passion in life is to work with those kids, the kids that, uh, people deem to be, you know, um, unfixable. Those are the kids that I, that I work with and, and the kids that the people don't want to be bothered with, you know, some of the hard heads and the, the, the hard knuckle guys and females, because here in the last couple of years, we've really picked up a lot of uh, females that we've been working with too. So I try to stay engaged in the community as much as possible and try to leave a footprint uh, to try to help the next man coming behind me. That's my main goal. That's what I do on a daily basis. When I wake up in the morning, Brother Taylor, you know, my feet <laughs> hit the ground. You know, right. I want every uh, white supremacist, racist, bigot uh, <laughs> in America to say he's at it again. You know what I'm saying? And then we go for another round, man. That's that's where I'm at with it. So, so how, do you, uh, how do you balance the social justice aspect of what you're doing with being a minister as well? Well, um, I'm the minister of justice at our church, and okay. uh, I, I believe that, you know, uh, justice ministry is really what the Bible talks about. We have, a, we have a situation where a lot of people has painted Jesus out to be 
uh, you know, some soft guy that's walking through the garden picking lilies and picking and rubbing <laughs> sheep. And re in reality, Jesus was a rebel. Uh, mm -hmm. You know, he went in turning over the money changer tables in the, you know, in the synagogues. You know, he went as far as to say in Luke 4, verse number 18, which is something that I stand on on a regular basis. It says that the Holy Spirit has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor, to give the sight to those who are blind, to free those who are oppressed. And that is what social justice is all about. Jesus spent three years in the ministry mm. teaching social justice because his ministry was about the oppressed people. It wasn't about, you know, the pharaohs and the rulers. It was about the oppressed people. So for me, you know, it's not hard balancing the two. I just teach a better, uh, I just teach a different ministry. I'm a disciple of James Cone. So a lot okay. of uh, theologian scholars uh, say, well, you know, James Cone, yes, he's the, the father of black liberation. So right. for me, it is about dealing with the oppressed people and for the oppressed people. So that's what I preach. And that's, that's what I teach. So, so what would be your advice to uh, ministers who wanted to get into social justice? Like, let's just say, hey, man, I want to be a pastor, but I also want to be uh, an advocate for my community. What would be your advice that you would give to someone I, like that? I, I believe if you if you if you accept a call to be in ministry, that you have, you have just accepted a call to be in social justice. Mm. Because it's the same, you know, for me, you have to have thick skin, right? You know, um, Jesus surrounded himself with a bunch of unruly individuals. Mm. None of those people that was really around Jesus was educated people. So when you're in ministry and you go into the ministry, church folks always say the doors of the church is open. Right. Which they are always open. That's true. But they don't realize that there's people outside waiting on us to come outside, come outside of the church and into right. the communities and uh, deal with the people that, you know, have been church hurt, people that have been, uh, that don't know God, that don't know his grace. So for right. me, my ministry starts in the streets. It's never going to be a place where I got the pane glass windows and the beautiful uh, sanctuaries. It's not about that. You know, right. Jesus was born in the manger. Basically, that's equivalent to being in the alley in a Colt 45 <laughs> box with hay in it. So my next question is, uh, you talk about once you accept that calling and you go into ministry, you should already understand that you, that is, that's your job to be a social advocate. Exactly. How, how do you navigate uh, your ministry during, you know, these current social and political times, right? Well, I, I, I make it very clear. I am not a Republican. I am not a Democrat. I am a Biblecrat. <laughs> which gives me the opportunity to pretty much say what I want to say and uh, do as I see fit according to the people. Um, in this political climate, it's rough, man, because everybody is worried about COVID-19 right now. Right. Uh, everybody is concerned about the viruses. And what has happened is, is the real, uh, the real virus that we need to be worried about is racism, not COVID-19. Mm. So what this, what this virus has done, it has shut down a lot of stuff and it right. has exposed a lot of churches and it exposed a lot of people uh, that have not been in their word because right. at this present time, it's just you, the cameraman going live in the church and that word. Right. You don't have, you don't have <laughs> the deacons on the front row telling you to preach and you don't have the man on the organ 
tune it up when you're ready to uh, well and get on up out of there. You got to be able to preach the word of God. And what this has done, this has moved ministry to a whole different level and to a whole different platform. So right. you're about to see uh, how people can adjust to uh, how ministry is being uh, done in the in, you know in this time right now. And it'll talk to the people. The people now get an opportunity to get, get to see you with all the all the fabulousness pulled off of you. Right. Because, you know, as ministers right now in this climate, we are laid bare. Mm. And uh, when you get to talking about uh, in the political arena, uh, I, I don't believe you can mix the two because you can't you can't operate in the gray. Mm. As a minister, you can't operate in the gray. It's, it's either right or it's either left. But whatever side that you pick, you have to stand on your principles and you have to stand on the character of who you are and who God has called you to be. And sometimes when you're in social justice, you know, that's not, um, that's not a good feeling because you go into a situation where you can't please everybody. Right. And I've often said that my job is to comfort the afflicted and afflict the comfortable. So if you're comfortable, it's my job to make you very uncomfortable. So, I, I may say some things that people tend to, to take as being harsh statements, but the reality of it is, is this is what's going on in today's society. Right. And so what are some events that have caught your, your eye lately uh, in society that you feel like there needs to be more attention drawn to or more support brought to? Um, really, I think what's really caught my eye here recently um, it's nothing new. We already know about the police brutality. We already uh, know how uh, the police uh, feel about, you know, the African-American community. We already know the numbers of disparity between black crimes and white crimes and brown crimes. All of those is nothing different. But what we need to take a look at is we need to look at the gentrification that is going on uh, in a lot of the African-American communities um, around the country. You know, when we look back as black people, a lot of us are not homeowners. Um, one of the things that we was always taught growing up was you go to school, you get a job, you get a good education, you get a good job uh, with benefits and, and you take care of your family. Well, you know, the Europeans taught their kids, you go to school, you get a job, get an education, you start your own business, you own your own business and you get people to work for you. And, you know, for me right now, trying to change the mindset of the, the generation coming up to look at the gentrification and how they're coming in, pushing us out, how we don't own our own businesses, how we don't own our own homes, how we uh, don't keep uh, the money in the black community and we don't circulate the money. That is what's really caught my eye here lately. We can go all day about the shootings in Atlanta, the, the uh, incident that happened in Indianapolis. And, and the police brutality, we'll be here all day talking about that. That's nothing new. And the bad part about it is, is the shooting that took place in Indianapolis. How is Indianapolis uh, one of the largest cities? 12th largest, I believe, 12th largest. 12th largest city in the country, okay? And the police force does not have body cam. Where they do that at, man? You know, that that's pretty much a license to allow the uh, the IPD to do whatever they want to do. And, you know, that, that in itself should be a concern. Mm. So you talk about trying to teach the new generation. I know in your, uh, uh, one of the, some of the principles that Ball stands for is respect, honor, and discipline. How are you teaching that to the younger 
uh, generation. I know you work predominantly with men, but you also work with young women because you have a young women's mentoring program, uh, if I'm correct, underneath uh, Boss as well. So how do you work with the younger folks in the yeah, community? We got a mentoring program for females. It's called Fix Your Crown. Okay. Um, and uh, of course, the, the men's mentoring program, which is the Men of Valor, uh, where we try to teach them how to be men and and the women, you know, we have a Kelly Joe Marshall who runs that program for us, who has a story of her own, man. You know, her son was molested. Uh, she had been in foster care uh, half of her life. You know, she got a real testimony and she gives it to the kids. But for, to answer your question, how do we teach them that? Um, I want to give it to them from experience. You know, okay. I think that a lot of kids respect what I say because of where I've been in my life. I've been on both sides of it. Uh, they respect me for who I am. And, and a lot of them, parents is like, hey, you need to listen to that guy. I remember when he was really in the streets and he was really, you know, gangbanging and he was doing all of this other stuff, man. So the good part about it is, is that the parents are allowing me to pour into their kids. One of the things that we say here in Boss is, uh, if you can't unscrew the top, we can't pour nothing into the bottom. Hmm. You know what I'm saying? So we have to be able to unscrew the top in order to pour into them. And right. we have to tell the parents, don't just drop your kids off, man, and allow us to pour into your kids. And then at the end of the day, uh, we send them back to you. And then you're not continuously pouring positivity into them. Right. So, you know, when I say that we're trying to help move a generation along, it's not just the kids. We have to really sit down and show the parents who uh, come from, you know, the, the 80s that was having babies when they was babies. A lot of these kids out here that we deal with that are in trouble or um, kids that really have some mental issues, it started in the 80s because in 87 when the crack era was here, a lot of those people was getting high and they was having babies. Mm. So what we have now is a product of that era. So, you know, I'm not here to try to reinvent the wheel. I just want to put some air in the tires. You know, there's a lot of great mentoring programs that came before us, but how many of them went out into the streets? You know, I'm a big advocate about putting boots on the ground. You know, I'm a big advocate about being in the community, being seen and being heard. Uh, so people know that if there's a problem in our community, they can call me, they, they respect the fact that I'm gonna be there for them. Right, and so let's just say, you know, and kind of getting back to where we were before that question, you have someone who really wants to be an advocate uh, but they don't know how, right? They don't know how to get get involved. Let's just say, you know, no matter what race, color, or creed, they want to get involved with, uh, you know, whether it be political activism or social justice uh, activism. How, wh wh what are some advice you would give them? I, I would tell them that you need to get around like-minded people. And first and foremost, you need to you need to look at and study what it is that you're getting yourself into. Um, you have to be prepared for what it is that you're getting yourself into and, and get around a group of people. Like I said, the Evansville Social Justice Network um, is, is a group of individuals, black and white, that are fighting injustices within our city. Mm. Uh, so our goal for the next year is to try to uh, build chapters in Louisville, build chapters in Lexington, uh, different cities where we can build uh, social justice chapters and have uh, sale groups where, you know, we can actually come together as a collective group and be able to deal with some of the uh, social justice issues that we, that plague us right now in our communities across the country. 
And so what do you think the most pressing issue is? Uh, uh, and I know you kind of hinted on it earlier, talking about not just gentrification. Uh, you know, I'll ask you a question. What do you think about voter suppression? What do you, I mean, you know, how do you, how do you, how do you positively, you know, negate that in the communities? It's voter suppression is real. Uh, it's very, it's very prevalent in our community. And we as, we as black people have to get to a place where our parents voted because they understood the power of the vote. Right. We have to get back to a place where people understand that your vote really counts and your vote matters. There's a lot of people that think, that believe that, you know, hey, it don't matter anyway if I vote. That's not true. These people are taking away your rights. You know, our, our you know, ancestors walk miles to vote. Yeah. They, they got beat to vote. They died to vote. You know what I'm saying? So voter suppression is real. They, they're, they're really trying to stop us because our voices are very important. Our vote in the black community is very important. You know, one of the biggest things that I always say when politicians come around election time is they say they come to the church and the first thing they want to say is, well, you know, I'm not a racist. I believe in uh, equality. Look here, man, don't come to the black community <laughs> talking to us about you not a racist. Go to the white churches and tell the white churches, you know what I'm saying, to stop the violence. Don't come to the don't come to the black community with it. If you're gonna come to the black community looking for our support and our vote, I believe that you know, you need to show us that you're going to do something. And mm. that's where the voter suppression will stop because, man, as a community, we need to uh, really get behind, you know, the vote. And the only way to do that is make sure that some of the younger generation starts to register the vote and starts to push a lot of different things. You know, they one of the biggest problems I had this year in the elections was the Bernie Sanders situation because... Hey, talk to me about that. Talk to me about the Bernie Sanders situation. Everybody was talking about feel the burn, feel the burn, and, and how he and how he was going to change this and how he was going to change that. He was the forerunner going into Super Tuesday until he got down to South Carolina where there was a lot of African-American people. They let Bernie know. We ain't trying to hear that. But the problem was he depended on a lot of liberal and young people to come out and vote for him. And I'll say this, and I, and I know, you know, a lot of people don't like it when I say stuff like this, but I got to keep it 100. You know, I, I have a lot of liberal white friends. Liberals are just white people that realize that black people has been, been, been treated bad for years, and now y'all want to say something and do something about it. <laughs> That's what a liberal is. But when you get down to it, black people, you know what I'm saying, they understand the power of their vote. The elders try to tell us, listen, man, we're not getting behind Bernie. Bernie the, the revolution will not be televised. <laughs> they said that, you know, oh, black people are ignorant and they, they just don't understand what Bernie's trying to do. First of all, a lot of people overlooked a lot of stuff that Bernie did. You know, I'm not a big Biden fan. I'm, you know, I'm going to be completely honest with you. Mm -hmm. uh, but at the end of the day, they say, well, he was the father, uh, what they call him, you know, he was the father of uh, mass incarceration. Yeah, yeah, he, he developed that bill. That's true, he did. He did. But Bernie Sanders also voted for that bill. Bernie Sanders is, a, you know, is, is a man from Vermont where there's 97% white, where he received $46.7 million to build up his jails and to build up the police force and to give money for uh, police equipment. 
you can't you can't talk about lock them up Joe if you can't talk about the people that help you pass the bill because the bill is nothing unless the people in the Senate and the House pass it. Right. So the problem is, you know, everybody's looking at him, but you don't want to look at Bernie Sanders' record. Medicaid for all. I think that's a great idea. Hey, I, I think everybody should have free Medicaid, but who's going to pay for it? I think, you know, the the idea of canceling all the student debt. Hey, I I'm, I got a lot of student debt. I would be all for Bernie canceling, but who's going to pay for it? You can't talk about doing all these things, you know what I'm saying, and think that, you know, black people are just going to sit back because you're giving us a bunch of free stuff. Let me let me explain one thing before I go out on a tirade. There are <laughs> there are more white people on public assistance than black people. That's right. So don't so, so you know for them to say you know hey, uh, what else do you got to lose? Bernie's giving us all this free stuff, man. You ain't giving us you ain't giving us nothing. Mm. You ain't giving us nothing. Did you, did you feel like that that uh that getting towards that part of the primary kind of split? Uh, some of the black community, or do you think that it was just a you know a flash, a flash, a flashbang? Like it just happened I, like that. I, I, I think it was a flash. I think it was a flashbang, and I'm gonna tell you why. He pulled in major numbers against Hillary Clinton because nobody really wanted Hillary to be the president. That's the bottom line. Now we have a white supremacist son of a Klansman in the office right now. And black people are like, oh, wait a minute. You know what I'm saying? We have made the mistake of not, you know, uh, voting for for Hillary. And this is what we was left with. Mm. This year, what you saw was the big voting blocks in the South of people that literally came out to vote that didn't come out and vote for Hillary. So, you know, this year you start to see, see them come out in numbers. And everywhere that Bernie Sanders polled big, if you look at his numbers from then until now, he lost the African-American vote. Mm. He lost the African-American vote. I was watching CNN, and uh, they were showing the Bernie Sanders rally in Michigan. He was right down the street from uh, the University of uh, Michigan State. And it was a sprinkle of us within the crowd, but it was all these white young liberals, you know, running around because he said, hey, I I'm a legalized marijuana. Well, it's already legal in Michigan. That's true. So what else can you sell them? What else can you what else can you sell to them? It's already legal. All right. So he lost so, big in Michigan. <laughs> so in in the in the beginning of that, of that you talked about how uh, you know you got got in a lot of trouble, or you felt like people uh, came strong at you for uh, for supporting or not or, or 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 criticizing and challenging Bernie Sanders. What do you think those folks are now with you as far as uh, creating actual change in the community? Listen, a lot of them know where my heart is at. Uh, I had a lot of them mad. A lot of them didn't agree with what I said. Uh, like I told them, this is not Delta Airline, brother. You do not need permission to announce your departure. You know, you don't have to follow me. You don't have to listen to nothing that I say, but I'm going, I'm going to always speak on behalf of the oppressed people. So, I think I'm pretty good with the people down because people understand, you know, what I was trying to say as far as when I wasn't going to just give my vote to Bernie Sanders because in my, in my opinion, he did not have a black agenda. I believe that he was trying to offer us a bunch of stuff that he knew that the, the Senate and the House wouldn't pass. Mm. So for me, I felt like it was a bunch of smoke screens mm. and, 
you know, I just called it like it was. And, you know, at the time, I felt like Bernie supporter Sanders was just as worse as Trump supporters. Mm. Because, you know, they 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 on that Bernie or bus. If it ain't Bernie, then we not vote. Well, I mean, that's the reason why we in the situation we in. But those liberals always talk about climate change and we need to change the climate. We need to let the flowers grow. We need to do a lot of different things. But you're not supporting you know, the person that is the nominee that was put there by the people. Mm. I mean, he was, he, you know, Biden is our nominee. He was, he, he was the front runner. You know, he, he won three super Tuesdays in a row. And, and so do you, uh, how do you view this, uh, this November shaping up? I think it's kind of, I, I think this is where we will be able to discuss voter suppression. Hmm during this 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 because i believe that uh this pandemic has uh really hurt a lot of the uh national landscape but more so hurt the uh, local landscape mm-hmm. i believe some of the some of the politicians that uh, some of the people that are in positions will get those positions again by default i do believe we'll see a lot of voter suppression going on in the south as far as uh, the presidential election. I think it's all lining up for that. I mean, I could be wrong, but I'm a firm believer that that's what's about to take place. But hey, you know, it's kind of hard. It's kind of hard to say because we don't know when this is going to ease up and when the country's going to be allowed to open back up, or even you right. know, even if you know we do uh, open back up before November. Okay. Well, you know, uh, Brother Payne, I always, I'm very thankful for you coming on the podcast. Hey, listen, this is like any uh, evening meeting. Longevity has its place, except for late night podcasts. Right now, I'm going to do something that, uh, that, I, that I'm trying to do now. So I'd like to highlight some, uh, some business owners that I know. So Reverend Payne, we, we have similar folks in our circle. So if they got some businesses, let me know. Uh, I'll put the video up. But right now, I'm going to talk about the new rich. So I don't know if you can see my shirt. Okay. Rich. It's brother, uh, brother Miles Ward. Uh, he'll be on the podcast soon. And uh, he's based out of Chicago, Illinois, a graduate of Purdue University, uh, a great alpha brother as well. Uh, but he has uh, he talks about uh, togetherness and, you know, uplifting one another in his, in his brand. So, again, that's the new Rich. I will drop that uh, in the comment uh, section on the YouTube video as well as the SoundCloud and iTunes, uh, Apple Podcast link. Uh, Brother Payne, it's always nice having you on. Thank I will you, tell brother. you this, that you, you you get it straight. No chaser, brother. And uh, I wanted to make sure I got got you on here. This uh, episode will be available uh, very soon. And I say very soon because I know people, when they're listening to this, they're like, I'm listening to it now. So it's very soon. You're listening to it now. <laughs> you well, to it now. I just want to thank you for this opportunity, man, to come no on doubt. the podcast, man. This a, it was a beautiful thing, man. Oh, no um, doubt. You know, I know you told me earlier to uh, to pull back and keep, you know, keep it <laughs> So I really tried to uh, keep it PG as possible. You know what I'm saying? So, hey, man, uh, I appreciate it, brother. As always, you know, it's always a blessing to be around you. So, but before you go, I got one more one more thing. Where can they follow you? Where can the listeners and the viewers find you? Where can they find you on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook? Where can they find you? 
Listen, you can find me on Facebook. It's uh, William Payne, the real Pooh Payne. You can find me on Twitter at uh, Minister William or Minister W M Payne P A Y N E on Twitter, and the same W M Payne forty two on Instagram. Follow Boss Inc. Go to the Boss Inc. dot uh, org uh, website or Boss Inc. Facebook page. Follow some of the great stuff we're doing. And also the Evansville Social Justice Network, man. We just got our Facebook page up and running. So uh, go to the Evansville Social Justice Network Facebook page. We will be having a Zoom meeting Wednesday to discuss uh, some of the things that we're going to be trying to do within the community over the next couple of weeks due to the coronavirus, what we can do since we can't gather, uh, protest, we can't march. So, uh, man, go to all those pages, man. You can find me and. uh Send me a message, man. Talk to me. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> I'm trying to get my Twitter numbers up anyway, man. Hit me on Twitter, man. Follow me on Twitter. That's what I'm telling you. I want all the alphas. Y'all hear this, man? Follow me on Twitter. Man. I promise you, I'm going to give you something good daily. You know what I'm talking about? Hey, listen, y'all, y'all heard the brother. As, as always, brother, Reverend William Payne, it's been a pleasure. Thank you for coming in on, on the podcast. Again, The Current Affair. As always, until next time. Stay current. Now that's the stuff leaders should be made of. You have just listened to the Current Affair Podcast with Dr. D'Angelo Taylor. Episodes will be posted every Saturday at soundcloud.com slash the current affair. Also on Apple Podcasts. Until next time, stay current.